0: We will dismiss the uh, boys and girls to their respective classes. You guys can make your way um, out there. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to thank again everybody who um, came last week and participated. We had an excellent service. We had a lot of visitors. We had a great breakfast. And everybody took leftovers, or at least all the leftovers were taken. I don't know, maybe somebody took all the leftovers themselves. Only one person took it. Um, but we, we got rid of all the food, and that was a blessing. So thank you so much for all of that. Um, it was it a was really, really great time. Um, I do want to make mention of, again, um, There's a Memorial Day barbecue coming up. And so every year, New Hope has always um, had a Memorial Day barbecue. And that's, again, another endeavor to invite people. It's just a fellowship time. And uh, we usually have it at our church. I'm not exactly sure uh, where we're going to host it this year. We will let you know. But normally, um, we just have all the church members bring enough meat for them and a few visitors, and then a side dish or dessert, and then the church provides for the drinks. And so we kind of all chip in that way, and, and it's one of my children's favorite day of the entire year. And so that'll be on Memorial Day. That Monday, it'll be, um, we'll have it, and we want it to be together. We want everyone to be there who can be there, and it's a great time to invite neighbors and invite people like that. One of the considerations to have it here is, Um, in in years gone by we've had maybe 200 people come to the barbecue and it's just kind of a drop-in so people drop in drop out and they have other places to go but they spend time but it would be a good time of a community presence so people around would see something going on here would add um, extra attention that way so that's one of the considerations but we'll let you know where just if you can plan it out and and try to be there if you're not going away or don't have um, other spectacular plans Um, but again I want to thank everyone who worked together last week And uh, we look forward to working together and many other opportunities as well. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's pray and then um, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, I believe, as long as God allows, for a couple of weeks. And I think Hebrews chapter 11 is one of those chapters that is um, really great at looking at some key things, right? Obviously, it's called the whole faith by some. It's, it's a great testament of faith, but it kind of almost is like an Old Testament survey as well, where you, you're getting the broad view of the Old Testament happenings, and as the older people of the Old Testament walked by faith, we get to see little snapshots of their lives and snapshots of their acts of faith. And so I think that could be a help to us to both see Old Testament storyline, but also see what faith looks like. Um, I want to remind you of a couple things the Bible says before we even pray. The Bible says that we're saved by faith. And you may have heard me say this before, but in the Old Testament, people were also saved by faith. They were not saved by works. There were works that were done to prove their faith. Like we talked about the Passover, where God told them to put the blood of the lamb on the door, and the Lord would pass over them. So that was faith to believe what God had said and then that was actualized by the placing of that work, or by the placing of that. And so though sometimes people um, will see works in the Old Testament, mark it down, salvation was always by faith. Number two, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. One of our calls throughout the entire Bible is for you and I who are believers of God and followers of God to walk by faith. And it's a nice cliché term, right? We have to walk by faith. And then we say, okay, what does that mean? Explain what faith means. Explain how we walk by it. And I think Hebrews 11 will kind of give us some groundwork to understand how we're supposed to live as Christians and how we're supposed to live by faith. And so there's two avenues for you to consider today. Number one is what David prayed for earlier. If you've never been saved, if you've never been born again, if you don't know where you will spend eternity then we want you to consider Christ. We want you to hear Christ's call in your heart that you would, by faith, believe on Him for salvation. If you are already a believer, well, the Bible says this, that the just shall live by faith, that you and I are to walk by faith and not by sight. As Christians, we need to be committed to walking with our eyes set on God in faith and not by our human understanding, not by our human rationale, not by our own doings, But by God and his word with that being said, let's pray and then we're going to look at the first couple of verses of this chapter this morning Father, we thank you again for your goodness. We thank you Lord that um, You've given us your son and by believing in him. We can have eternal life father I pray that your presence would be readily known today father I pray that you'd help us help us to apply these truths help us to walk by faith and not by sight Help us to trust in you Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding But in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and and you will direct our path, Lord. And I pray, Father, you'd just instill these truths, help us open the eyes of our faith, save those that need to be saved. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just work in our midst in a way that only you know how, with your supernatural grace and supernatural love. Thank you so much, Lord, for meeting with us this morning, and thank you for the Word of God. We pray that it would not return void. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse number one. Now the writer of Hebrews and nobody's fully sure who it is. There's different theories out there and and, and that's for another day. Um, but the writer of Hebrews has already expounded on things of faith and Christ is a more preferred a lot of things more preferred sacrifice uh, a more preferred priest and such as that. So he's already got a lot of groundwork to get to faith. But what he's writing to now is the Hebrews. He's writing to some of the Jewish believers and he's been telling them that here's what, how to live by faith, or here's what we have, we have to uh, um, kind of embrace faith, and then he's going to lean on them to understand the Old Testament, understand how those people walk by faith. Now look at verse number 1. Here's a concise definition. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now that in the King James language may be a little bit tricky or ambiguous for you to understand, but I'll break it down for you in quite a simple way. That faith is the certainty, of it's being sure and certain of things that you can't always see. The unseen hopes and realities, the, the things that God says, you might not be able to see them, you may not be able to measure them, you may be not be able to tangibly touch them and interact with them, but you're certain and you're sure that they are. Now faith is not this, oh I hope it's true, I hope it's true, I hope it's true, I hope it's true. That might be um, the, the smallest of faith, but that's not where our faith is. Our faith is certain. Now, again, there's a difference between intellectual certainty and sometimes emotional certainty. Sometimes you and I might struggle with the fact that oh, we're not sure. Is this right? Is God real? Um, what about this? You can have doubts and you can have um, things where you struggle with or things where you may... Um, contemplate and things you wrestle with that's all part of the course because we're finite we're humans we're sinful we have the flesh we have a confusing world we don't always know every spirit that comes whether it's of God or not there's a lot of different things that interrupt our faith and so it's not based on the intensity of our faith but here's what faith is it is being certain and sure of the things that God has said now I I want to submit to you and we're gonna get into this in a minute A lot of people will criticize faith and say that is for the people who reject intellectualism or reject rationalism or reject science or reject facts. And I want to prove to you in just a a small manner that everybody lives by faith. Nobody doesn't live by faith. The question is, what do we live faith in? You drove here today that you had faith that you would make it here safely. You got in a car. You trusted that the car would work, the brakes would work, and that other people would drive well enough that they would not crash into you. You trusted that there would be a sensibility of following most of the rules on the road. When you sat down in the pews, you did not check for the hardware and the bolts and different things to make sure that they were all tightened. You sat down fully trusting that it was going to happen. For those that believe that there is no God, it takes faith to not believe in God. It takes faith to believe in God. It takes faith to believe in evolution. It takes faith to believe in creation. No matter what you attain to, whatever you believe in, it's going to take faith. And so I want to dismiss the fact that all faith is for the people who need a crutch, or faith is for those who want to reject intellectualism or want to reject facts. No, that's not true, because everybody lives by faith. But here it is, faith in the Word of God, faith in Christ, faith in what God has said. And I promise you, there's plenty of evidence, too. I often say this, there is enough forensic evidence of God's existence and God's workings that leads you to a bridge that is called faith. So we're not telling you to blindly believe. We're not talking to to, uh, uh, um, take into yourself blind faith. We're talking about evidential faith that leads now to belief. So again, now faith is the substance, or faith is the assurance or certainty of things hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. I believe in heaven not because I want to believe in heaven. That's wishful thinking. I believe in heaven because I believe there's evidence of God and God's word. And he says there's a heaven, so I'm certain there's a heaven because God said there is. Now, some people don't believe in the Bible. And I can't convince you to believe in the Bible in just a, in just a, a short time, but I do want to give you something to consider forensically. The Bible is 66 books written by 40-some-odd different authors over a span of about 1,500 years on three different continents, and it has no contradictions in it. There are people who say there are contradictions, but when you look at them, they're not contradictions. There are different perspectives at times. There's different uh, things that they're trying to emphasize at times, but there's not contradictions. I say this to teenagers all the time. If you and I were to write the happenings of what happened today, if we got 40 different people to write what happened today in our midst, at this service, I promise you there'd be contradictions. And how is it then that there's four, there, there's 66 books, 40 different authors, 1,500 years, three different continents, and no contradictions? I would submit to you that that's evidence that that book could not have, or this this collection of books, because you know the Bible is not just one book, it's 66 different books compiled by God, inspired by God, I would submit to you that because of that forensic evidence, that leads you to the bridge of faith that we say, I trust God's Word. And someone might say, what about all the other gods out there and all the other religions out there? Absolutely. Forensically test them. See if it holds value. The Quran was written by mostly one person, and then subsequently um, a few other followers after Muhammad, and there are plenty of contradictions. Matter of fact, in the Quran there's so many contradictions that they say the latter doctrine is preferred over the previous one. They're saying we know that there's differences, and but you just believe what was more what was written later rather than before. And that was a short span of time by just a few different people. Sixty-six books, no contradictions, 1,500 years. I submit to you that's God. And so I believe that there's a heaven because God said it. I believe the Word of God exists because of the forensics, but also because God said it. I believe there's only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ because God said it. Also, I want you to consider this again as we get into this place. If you were going to write, if you were going to have a man made religion, I'm pretty sure we would not write one that condemns all of mankind without a solution in themselves. What do I mean by that? Every other man made religion, every other religion out there that's man made, and I don't mean to categorize Christianity in that, but every man made religion has man being good or the master of their fate or if we do certain religious things or appeal to certain deities by our efforts or sincerities, we can obtain religious excellence. We can obtain a heaven. We can obtain a nirvana. We can obtain a paradise. We can do something to get it because man is generally good. Do you know what the Bible says? There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. You're looking at that and saying, wait a second. And on every page it says how bad we are. On every page it says how sinful we are. How in the world is that going to be a religion that's going to gain a following when all it does is condemn us? And I'm submitting to you that it's not condemning us for any other motive, but it is the truth. But that's where God comes in, where Jesus Christ was sent to die in our place. To stop what was already happening. Some people say, well, I don't like a God that sends people to hell. Let me explain something. We were already on our way to hell. And Jesus is trying to stop that. He died in our place and says, hey, listen, guys, you're going the wrong way. That place, what broad is the road that leads to destruction? Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Today is the day of salvation. Whosoever calls call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on me. Call on me. Don't keep going. Bible says in John three 18, we're condemned already in our own sins we're condemned God's not let sin into heaven and so it's not that Jesus comes down and says I don't like you and I don't like you and I don't like you he says y'all go to hell because of your sin I died in your place for that I'm going back to my original point if man was making a religion it doesn't seem very likely that man would always be the bad guy. And there was nothing within ourselves to do good. I don't know if you know this. You are a rotten sinner. So am I. The Bible says in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. We tell you that because that's the truth. That's not going to build numbers. That's not going to tickle the ears. That's not going to be, oh, that makes me feel really good. But it is the Reality. And Jesus says, but there's a solution. I died in your place so you can have my righteousness. Again, my point is, forensically, we look at that, we conceptualize it logically, we conceptualize it philosophically and say, hmm, interesting that all the other religions have one thing in common. This one is uncommon in that man is wrong and God is good and died. In our, did something for us. The other one said you have to do something for God to appease him. Here is, he did something for you. You just got to believe it. Faith is the assurance, the confidence of the things that we don't see and can't measure. Now look at verse number two. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Um, and what that means is, uh, the writer is writing about the two Jewish people who would know the Jewish uh, history very well. And he was saying, our elders, the ones that went before us, They did well in that they walked by faith. God was pleased with them because they walked by faith. They trusted in God, and yes, there were different tests of faith, and there were different happenings of faith, and there were different um, things that they had to trust God through and in, but at the end of the day, these ones who pleased God, they pleased God because they trusted His Word. They were sure that He was who He was, and they believed Him and stepped out by faith. And so that's what it means they obtained a good report. God was pleased with them because they walked by faith. Again, I'm telling you right now, everybody in here has some sort of faith. You watch the news. We know the news doesn't always tell us accurate things. And yet you've got to believe something. So you either believe that what they're telling you is truth or you believe that it's not telling you what's truth. And at the end of the day, you don't fully know. You trust it. You have faith in it. And so again, I want to submit to you again and again, if you're going to have faith in something, you ought to have faith in. Why not have faith in what God has said? We know man is fallible. We know man makes mistakes. I'm telling you right away, don't have faith in me. Have faith in God's Word. Don't have faith because I said it. Have faith because God said it. And reason it out and test it and and, and be a skeptic about it. Ask questions. One of the things we do at Teen Night is we'll give an opportunity at our youth group um, for the teenagers to ask me any question they want about God, faith, the Bible. And I also challenge them, if you don't believe it, test it, argue with it. You know, pose a question that that you think will defeat Christianity. Because I, I boil it down to this, and you've heard me say this before. Either the Bible is true, and we ought to submit and follow it, or it's the biggest lie that's ever been written. And so if it's the biggest lie, let's figure it out. Because if we're here believing a lie, then we're wasting our time. We may as well burn the Bible and walk on out of here and do something more profitable. But if it is the Word of God, then we ought to submit to it. So challenge it away. If you're an atheist, you can ask me any question you want. I'll sit down with you. We can discuss it. I won't take insult of your questions. I won't take it personal. I want to help you. I believe that the evidence is all there. Now, it's going to lead you to the bridge called faith, but the evidence is all there. And I have no problem empirically, scientifically, logically, philosophically answering any questions, even if they're not about the Bible, they're about God in general. Like, for example, people ask me all the time, and we're going to get to this next verse about creation, People ask me all the time, well, then who is God's God? And who is God's God's God? Well, that's very cute and clever. But eventually there had to be a first uncaused cause. What I mean by uncaused cause is there had to be something that was self-existing that caused everything else to exist. So you can't go back infinitely. They call it You can't have an infinite regress. You can't go back infinitely. There had to be a starting point. So if God had a God then our God would not be God. He'd be created, and the God before him would be the creator. And if God's God had a God, then that first God would be the creator and everything else would be created. No matter what you do, you can't go back infinitely. There had to be a first creator that created everything else, call it whatever you want. Now if you say, I don't know what you're talking about, don't worry. What I am saying, though, is if you have atheistic questions, ask them. Nobody is asking you to blindly accept no one's asking go, "La la, la la, just believe it." We're saying, "Hey friends, there's evidence for faith. And if there's evidence for faith, I'm submitting to you, walk by it. As Christians, has God not done enough in our lives to prove He is who He is? Has He not left enough fingerprints on the scene? That we can conclude that He is, and if He is, and we see that is, have you not seen His love for you? And Have you not seen Him work in your life? Why is it that, that as He works in our lives so many times, we get to a place where we think, oh, He's not going to work now. He's going to leave me. We feel that way, don't we? Walk by faith. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Strengthening our faith strengthens our walk in God. Now we get to the next verse, right? Here, here's what, what it says. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now that is absolutely an awesome verse, and it is more complex than, than it seems. It says that which is created could not have been the creator. And how do we know this? Well, by faith. So we we believe by faith that God created the earth. The Bible and the universe and everything else. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We believe that or we don't. But look at what it says again. Through faith we understand, through the confidence and assurance, that the Word of God is accurate, that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. God spoke them and they were. So the things which are seen, what do we see? We see creation. We're not made of the things that do appear. So if something appears, we see it, because it wasn't, and now it is, it means it was created, and the law of causality uh, uh, says anything that came to be must have been caused to be. So if you see it, and it wasn't, it came to be, and if it came to be, it could not have been creating everything else. Let me use simplistic example. Now usually, now this is where it gets unique in this example, Usually, when I'm in a building, I'm with people who weren't here when it was built. But I think in this building, there probably were some people who were here when it was built. How many people were here when this was built? Anybody? Okay, you can't answer this question. Everyone else can. Thank you, Brother Paul. We're in this building, right? I was not here when it was built. I was not born when it was built. But there was a builder. How do I know there was a builder? Because someone told me there was a builder? No although people have shown me pictures of being built. My faith that there was a building, that this building was built, is not based on the pictures that New Village has. It's not based on Brother Paul's testimony that he was here, or his family was here when it was built. It's not based on surveying um, the land and seeing that it wasn't here and now it was. It's based on the fact that there's a building. Go to any building anywhere that's built, and you will conclude there must have been a builder. How do you know? Because if there's a building, there must have been a builder. If you see a painting, there must be a painter. We don't have to know necessarily when it was built or who built it or what company built it or what company designed it, but at the very least, we can conclude by faith that somebody built it. We can look at a painting and by faith, maybe not know who the painter was, may not know what era it was, may not know exactly what, what products were used to be able to create the painting, but we can conclude someone designed it and someone built it. By faith... We believe the same thing about the world. The world exists and if the world, if this building is to be measured with the universe and I ask you this question, what's more complex, the universe or this building? I think you and I would conclude the universe. Is that correct? If this building needed a designer and a builder, wouldn't the universe also need a designer and builder if it's far more complex? And it wasn't eternal they say the universe is expanding part of the universe expanding means that it was smaller if it was smaller it means it's not infinite if it's not infinite it had a beginning so the universe didn't always exist so it came to be so it must have been caused to be let me also give you this kind of concept about it there's a building there's a builder there's a painting there's a painter there's a creation there's a creator I've heard this example before. If you and I were walking through the woods and we saw a baseball, can we make these two conclusions? Someone made it and someone caused it to be there. Would that be fair? If we walked through the woods and we came upon a ball that was the size of a beach ball, can we conclude those same two conclusions? Someone made it and someone caused it to be there. What if it was the size of the earth? Can we conclude that someone made it and someone caused it to be there? That's where people say no what do you mean why not because it just was oh yeah how was it is it has the earth always been here well no well when did it come well billions of years ago how'd it get there well there was an explosion okay who caused the explosion well it just happened where'd the matter come from just was there they said you have the same problem you believe god was always there okay then let's bring it down in the beginning there was matter and somehow exploded And gave rise to the universe. And all the intelligence in the universe. Accidentally. By chance. Or. God was always existent. And by his intelligent design. And creative powers. He created it all. What seems more logical? Nothing. Matter. Well I guess matter was there. Somehow forever and then it exploded and made this or that someone made this we would still have the problem if I said if we went to Home Depot and we dropped a bomb on Home Depot and expected a house to be built perfectly first of all the material is very organized over there compared to just matter and second of all we would look at that and be like, there's no way that would happen. And that would be one house. Forget the entire universe and the complexity of things like, say, the human brain and the human nervous system and the eye and all of that. Regressing now, back to this. You say, uh, uh, I didn't bring my you know, notebook to write things down It's right. My point is, through faith, we understand that God created it. And people deny that because they don't want to be subjected to God. They don't want to have to consider that God is the creator. Because if they consider God is the creator, then we've got to find out what he wants and, and how he operates and what his interaction with us is. And I'm telling you this, that, and I'm going through all that, and I know some of it's above your head. Some of it to you is probably, for some of you who are so smart, that's like first grade business. For some of you are like, huh? My point is, faith is not for the people who reject intellect or people who reject reason. And I invite you to ask questions. Ask any skeptical questions you want because I want your journey of faith to bring you to the bridge where you see that God's fingerprint has been everywhere and He's worth believing. So what is faith? Faith is being confident and assured of things that you can't quite measure. And by faith we know that the people in the Old Testament pleased God by walking through it. And verse 3 tells us that by faith we know that God created everything. He's spoken into existence. Now we go into some specifics. Look at verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. The first example that the writer of Hebrews gives about somebody who walked by faith is not Adam and Eve, but in fact is Adam and Eve's children. And you may know the story, and I'll give you the quick snapshot of that. Um, Cain and Abel were both children of Adam and Eve one of them Cain was was a um, a tiller of the ground he, he was a a farmer and um, Abel was a gather uh, a, a hunter he was somebody who uh, worked with livestock or hunting and and that and God told them bring me a, a, a meat sacrifice bring me a death sacrifice something where blood is shed and we know this right Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so again, there's a picture there of someone having to die in place. It wasn't that God needed food. It wasn't that God wanted someone to die because He's a cruel God. God's always pointing to the future fact that He would send His Son to die. And so we needed to condition everybody to understand when we do wrong, something has to pay the price. Something has to die. Something, And it's that extreme. It's that extreme. Something has to die in our place, blood being shed. So Cain and Abel both bring sacrifices. Cain brings, though, fruits of the land, fruits of his labor. And and Abel brings meat sacrifice. And God says to Cain, Cain, this is not the accepted sacrifice. This is not what I told you to bring. And you know what Cain does? He gets really mad. He's like... And you know, he's mad at God. And he's mad at his brother. He's mad at his brother because his brother brought the right thing. I don't know what that has to do with Cain, but he's mad at him. He's mad at God because God won't accept his sacrifice. He says, well, I like this, and, and I thought it was a good thing. And, you know, I'm kind of dramatizing. I, I thought it was a good thing. I don't know why you won't accept it. And God says to Cain, he says, do it do, it. do you well to be angry? If you're going to continue to be this way, sin's going to lie at the door. It means it's going to, it's going to lead to a whole lot of other sins. It gives him an opportunity. Hey, just believe what I said and bring the right sacrifice. Just trust my word. And Cain says no. But you know what he does one day when Cain and Abel are out in the field? Cain takes probably a rock of some sort and kills his brother Abel. He says, huh, that'll that'll stop him from doing it. And God's not mentioning, uh, the writer here is not really emphasizing Cain as much as Abel. Abel offered a... More excellent sacrifice. Why? What did did Abel do differently? He just obediently believed God. Cain tried to reinvent the wheel. Cain said, I know what God said, but I will do this. And God said, No, believe what I say and do this. Therein is a power struggle we have with God all the time. I know you said this, but how about this? No, no, no. Believe what I say. So we walk by faith when we believe what God says and do it. Not leaning on our own way. And so Abel actually is killed for it. But God says, listen, he pleased me. And and all he did, all he did was believe God and bring the right sacrifice. He didn't conquer mountains. He didn't split the Red Sea. He didn't walk on water. He didn't do some great monumental task. All he did was believe God and show up with the right sacrifice. That's all he did. It's the simplest of things. And then was killed for it. And God says he lived a life that pleased me because he heard what I said and just believed. If You want to please God, you're going to have to believe what he says and simply do it. That's all. Lean not on your own understanding, right? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We often will revert back to leaning on our own understanding, rationalizing it, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out a different way, figure out a loophole in the system, when God says, you don't gotta, just believe. Then it says this interesting verse, and, he, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. There is a passage in Genesis where it says that when he was in the ground, his blood still cried out. He suffered for faith. He's the first one that greatly suffered a martyr's death, if you will, for faith and his blood cried out for God to avenge. And God did avenge in in both a just but also merciful way. He could have just killed Cain, but he didn't. He allowed him to live and banish him to the land of Nod where he would then have children and there would be a line and all of that. There's, There's some mercy there. We could see that. Again, we're not just preaching on Cain and Abel. We're preaching on... On faith. So, but by it, God still heard it and saw it. So, the act of faith was still heard even after he was dead. He cried out for, for a vengeance from God. But the other thing is, though he just did a simple act of faith and died for it, his testimony still speaks to us today. Do you realize that? We're talking thousands and thousands of years later. Abel's testimony is still being spoken about, and all he did was just show up with the right sacrifice. If we want to make a salvation application, I guarantee at the great white throne judgment there are going to be a lot, a lot of people who have clever arguments of why God should let them into heaven. I've done these works. Um, God, I was in church every day. Um, God, how about this, right? you know I was really good and somebody deceived me and I didn't know that you were the only one and I believed them and um, I think you should give me a a pass. And there's going to be far more clever ideologies than that. And yet, we find from the Bible that he'll say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me that you work iniquity. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other name uh, written among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other option. All we have to do is, God, you died for me. I believe that. That's it. It's that simple. And yet, Abel does something so simple here, and he is rewarded for it in the fact that God says, I am pleased with you. Thank you for believing me. Believers, as we walk by faith and not by sight, The just shall live by faith. It is up to us to look into the Word of God, to see what God says, and to believe it, and to follow it. You're going to hear all kinds of evidence out in this world that tries to contradict the Scriptures. And it's going to be up to you to test it and say, prove the Bible wrong. I always will tell you, take the presupposition that the Bible is right and let someone else prove it wrong but investigate if you want go ahead i have no worries that if you truly and authentically investigate the bible that you will find any other truth but it's truth. trust me if i was gonna if i was wishful thinking i wouldn't have a hell i would say nope there's no hell why because i don't want anyone to go there But the truth is, there is a hell. And God says, I'm not willing to, any should perish. God doesn't want you to go there. He died in your place. But you have to believe that. Look at verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Here's a man that has so little written about him. I like what it says, I think it's in Genesis, where it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's all it said. What? Enoch had some kind of relationship with God that was so close, based on faith. He, whatever the walk was, was a faith-based walk, so intense, that God said, I'm not going to let you die, I'm just going to take you up before death. There's only two people in the Bible who never died. Enoch is one, Elijah is the other one. Now, we can talk about end times theories on all that at another time. But Enoch never died. And here again, in, in, in Hebrews, the Bible says that God translated him. He wouldn't see death and was not found. Why? The people were one day walking around and be like, uh, where did he not go? Well, God took him. No, he didn't. I'm telling you, God took him. That doesn't make any sense. I know. You know what faith often does? Faith allows you to see the supernatural. What's the difference between the supernatural and the natural? Natural is things that we can explain away through regular happenings. Like if I said, God brought you here today. I do believe that. But could that also be rationalized? No, I got my car and drove here. Yes, but I believe God wanted you here. That's why you're here. That's my belief. But we can at least rationalize it, right? Because people go to churches. There's a lot of churches that God did not bring people to today, and they're there. So we can at least rationalize, say, yep, there's some evidence that maybe this was just a coincidence or a natural happening. Granted. But God often does things that make no sense to anybody else in the natural world. Why? So you cannot rationalize it away. So you cannot conclude it to be, well, that's just coincidence. Nope. God does things that are supernatural, beyond natural. They make no sense. They have no bearing in the natural world because God did it, and God's God, and God could do what he wants, and his power is supreme. And so he just took Enoch. And we say, what? No. Yes. Why? So God can prove to us that he's God. He can prove to us that his power is not uh, just this basic human power or that he's not a demigod that's like Hercules or like Achilles where there's, there's some kind of chink in the armor that we can get to or there's some kind of weakness there because he's only half God. And even amongst Greek mythology, they might fight each other and they have weaknesses. Our God is not that type of God. There is only one God, and he is infinite in power. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, means he's everywhere. He's omniscient, he knows everything. He is unlike any fabrication of God in man's mind. And the Bible here says that Enoch walked with God, and God just decided to take him. And God didn't have to give us a full-on expose as to why or how he did it. He just took him. Why? Because he pleased God. And God said, I want you to show I want to make an example of him, a good example, that he walked with God, and because he walked in faith, something supernatural happened. He pleased me, I took him. And God can do that. Now, you say, that's far-fetched to believe. In the world of faith, there's going to be things that are far-fetched because, like I said, they're supernatural. I would, I would submit to you today, believing there's no God, is far more far fetched. How do fairy tales start? Long ago and far away. How does evolution start? Long ago and far away. It just all happened by accident. That sounds a little far fetched. And there was no God. I also submit to you if we are, are on this spinning ball in the universe and there's a fireball as far away as we can see, and no one's in charge we say well the law of physics are in charge well great who's to say the law of physics won't change well they never have before i know but no one's in charge so why can't they just change then that's a little scary that's a little scary now you can believe that but don't don't uh argue don't attack me for believing that god took enoch you believe that ridiculous stuff um you believe we got here by, no, not by, by, by explosion? Hey, it's faith. You believe it. But don't attack mine. So by faith, Enoch walked with God. Hey, I wonder if our relationship would ever be so close to God that God would just take us. If God was still taking people up this way, I'd think of my own life and I'd be like, oh, he's probably not taking me. I'm glad he's saved. I'm saved. I'm glad he died for me. That's different than me walking with God in such an intense way in faith that God's like, you know what? I want you up here right now, and you don't have to face death. Look at the testimony. He had this testimony. He pleased God. Why? He walked with God in faith. Look at the next verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did you see that? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Take that for consideration. Because people want to please God. I want God. If God's there, I want, I want Him to be pleased by me. But I don't want to walk by faith. Or I don't want to have faith. First of all, let me remind you, you do have faith. But just not in God. Or not rightly. Or whatever it is. But you mark it down. There's no way to please God without believing and trusting in Him. Sometimes, let me tell you a secret, sometimes God asks you to do something that is impossible or seemingly impossible. I love that the Bible says this, when things become impossible for man, they become possible for God. I'll say that again. When things become impossible for man, they become possible for God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, can I please him this way? Is it of faith? Well, no, then the answer is no. You must and I, you and I must walk by faith to please God. We must be in faith to please God as a believer as, a, as someone who is um, born again and then it says, we must believe that he is that he is that he exists, and that he rewards them that diligently seek him. Let me explain how that the seeking him works <clears throat> The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God This one says but he rewards that those that do seek him. Is there a contradiction there? No, no, no God always initiates the work. We never initiate the work. God always initiates the work Let me explain it like this now. I, I, I kind of just thought of this last night. So if it's got theological errors, I apologize Let's pretend we're walking through the woods and we're lost And all of a sudden, we smell this great aroma of food being cooked. I'm thinking like Hansel Gretel style, like, you know, we're lost in the woods like that. The smell of food is drawing us in. And even when we hear a cry out saying, hey, whatever come to eat, come. There's the drawing us. Our responsibility is either we follow that drawing or we say, nah. And so. When we diligently seek Him, it's only because God first drew us in. But the Bible does say, for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. We see creation. Romans chapter 1 says, creation testifies that there's a God and that, that He is His eternal Godhead. It proves that He exists. And so, in this world, one of the reasons God created the world, as beautiful and as complex and as amazing as it is, is to give a testimony for everybody in the world to know that there is a Creator. That's drawing people in. That's called natural revelation, general revelation. And he wants you to respond and say, I wonder who this God is. I, w- I want to know who created it. That's you seeking him. But nobody one day wakes up and says, I'm such a good person, I want to find out who this holy God is. No, God initiates the drawing. But it, without God it's impo- and without faith it's impossible to please him. Look at verse 7. Now we're going to end up verse 7. So if you're like, how many? It's just verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. We enter in the world of Noah. The Bible here says that Noah being warned of God of things not seen. So God told him, remember I told you a little while ago, that sometimes faith invokes us to do something impossible. God says, I am asking you to step out by faith. You know what step out by faith is you're stepping not knowing where the step is going to land but god says come i i i often say this one of the greatest acts of faith in the entire bible has to be when noah goes into the woods and chops down that first tree why well because god said this in probably about a hundred or so years there's going to be a great flood what's a flood well you don't know this yet but the Firmament's going to break open, and it's going to rain for the first time. And the fountains of the deep are going to break open, and it's going to flood from underneath. And it's going to drown the whole world. So I want you to go chop down a tree and begin to build this giant, massive boat. Where is it going to float? I don't see any giant water places, like no rivers and seas. Oh, no, the sea will be here. So go build it. And Noah said, Okay. And he chopped down a tree. Somebody comes by. What are you doing? Chopping down trees. Why? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? It's a giant boat. What are you building a boat for? Because God said to. Where are you going to. Where are you going to. Float. Like where are you going to. Drive the boat right here. God said it's going to rain and it's going to fountains of deep and it's going to flood the whole world. and Whoever doesn't get on the boat is going to die. That guy goes home to dinner and says, you'll never guess who I saw in the woods today, Noah. What was he doing? He was chopping down trees, building a boat, crying about some kind of judgment coming, water flooding everybody. He's nuts. You know what Noah kept doing? I don't know if they used axes back then, but chopping down trees and building things. For a hundred years, people came by. What are you doing? (laughs) At least you're crazy. It's been 50 years now. You're still building the boat? Mm -hmm. You're crazy. God said. Don't you think that there were times that in his flesh that Noah might have been like, is this really going to happen? Am I wrong on this? Am I right on this? Like, what's going on here? How come it's not actually? Why is it taking me a hundred years to do this? And then when it's built... When it's built, the rain hasn't come yet. The fountains of deep have not broken open. The door's open, and Noah's like, okay, guys, who wants to get on? And they're all like. They're laughing at him. They're like, oh, you read in uh, Luke. It tells you they all have plans. I'm, I'm getting married this week. I don't got time to get on the boat. I got plans this weekend. I have got time to get on the boat. And Noah just trusted God persistently, even though everybody out there thought he was crazy. And he trusted in what God had said was going to happen that had no evidence was going to happen. There was no evidence that that was going to happen other than God said it. You know, there are other times where God is going to say, hey, look in my word, and you're going to say, there ain't no evidence that he's coming back on earth. There's no evidence that's going to happen as Revelation says it. And we get all excited, right? We get all excited when we see something lining up in world events that kind of the Bible kind of alludes to. We're like, oh, see? It was true even if our events didn't line up. Jesus said this. Hey, you're going to hear wars and rumors of war, but the end's not yet. i tell you this, right? The Mark of the Beast business. Oh, man, that looks a whole lot like, well, we definitely got that technology. Just right and ready. Somebody says, oh, See? Well, none of that's the mark of the beast. Yeah, we'll see whatever the mark of the beast winds up being exactly. But we believed it anyway. Noah just persistently kept walking in faith, even though everyone else around him denied it, even though everyone else around him would have thought he was crazy, even though there was no evidence that he could really obtain to, to know that God, what God said was going to happen was going to happen, other than he just believed God. Can you see also that his faith saved his family? But let me explain something. They had to have their own faith too. Because they could have said, we're not getting on. So he said, this boat is going to go. God said, it's going to flood. You need to get on. And the kids saw dad's faith and it inspired them to believe God's word as well. And they got on. I say this all the time when we're talking about Noah's story. Do you realize that it was only him and his wife, Noah and his wife, their three sons and their three wives? In those days, people lived a lot longer and had a lot more kids. No other, None of those wives' siblings or parents or family members got on the boat. Not one of their neighbors got on the boat. Not a friend from work got on the boat. Not someone from the marketplace got on the boat. Not anybody that would have seen him in over those hundred years got on the boat. Just Noah and his family. But can I tell you this? Noah is grateful that he trusted God. Because it saved him, and it saved his family. Raising your children up in a Christian home does not guarantee that they will be saved. But hopefully they can see the tangibility of something intangible as faith in your life that it's real. And that they will see the evidence of God that it's real. And that they will be then drawn to believing in God and trust him as Noah's kids did. And then you'll say, All those things were worth it because my family believed God. Noah being warned of God's things not yet seen, seen not yet, as yet. Move with fear. Move with fear there is, is not like petrified, but being kind of like weary of, like, oh, this is going to happen. Uh, uh, all right, all right, it's urgent, all right. Saving his house by which he condemned the world. He did not condemn the world. You know what happened? The flood was coming anyway. Noah built an escape. God gave him the design of an escape from the condemnation that was already coming. All they had to do was get on the boat. For seven days, you know what? The boat was done and Noah said, Okay, everybody. Whoever wants to get on, get on. The flood's coming in one week. Like I said, everyone said, nope, 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 ha ha ha. Nope. Then it shut. It shut before it rained. It shut before it rained. Shut. Now, all of a sudden, puddles from the underneath. Do you ever see something flood from underneath? I did. I remember one day walking down into the basement of my house when I was in Sayville. And all of a sudden, I saw flooding from underneath. It was raining a little bit, but no rain was coming in the house. It was coming from the water table. It wound up being three and a half feet. The water table rot, r- rose. Rain did not come in. The river underneath rose above. It was weird. It was both for Noah, and that those days you heard me preach on Noah not too long ago, where people started pounding against there, and uh, as my my mind's eyes. Now it's time. I want to get in. No, it's too late now. You had 100 years. You had seven days. Noah just believed God. There was nothing. See, God doesn't say, let me give you the plan and the map and show you all the materials I'm going to use so that way you can believe. He said, listen to my voice. Listen to my word. And just believe it. You'll hear me say this a bunch of times in life, but also in this series that we're having on faith right now. If it were easy, it wouldn't be of faith. Sight is easier than faith. Faith says, I have nothing to go on except you said it. Nothing. That's the best place to be. And Noah believed God. The world wind up being condemned because it would not believe God. And Noah becomes this heir. He, he, He gets off the ark and there's no one else. Just him and his kids. That means that whatever lineage, we can all trace our lineage back to Noah. Yes, Adam and Eve, but also just Noah and his family. It becomes this heir. It means Christ has to come through the line of Noah. And it says righteousness, which is by faith. Salvation was always by faith. Noah received grace and righteousness from God based on faith. What he did was believe God. You and I, we're told, have a more short prophecy in this Bible than we do even the audible voice of God. And so what I'm submitting to you today, and we're done, submitting you to today is that if you've never trusted Christ to save you from your sins, understand this, there's a God in heaven who created all of this. You and I are subjected to Him. You and I are sinners who deserve to go to hell, not because God wanted it that way, but because God is holy and righteous and He cannot let sin into heaven. And we're already condemned and on our way to hell. And that's why Christ came to die in our place. And if you don't want to go to hell, you realize that it's only through Christ that you can be forgiven of that. And He's already accomplished all that needs to accomplish. All you have to do is believe. When they came to uh, uh, Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's faith. Sure assurance that that's true. And for you and I who are saved, we may not know all the little things and nuances we have to do on a daily basis, but we say, God, what you say I will do. I will follow you, Lord, and when I fail, forgive me. I'm going to trust you. And there's going to be a lot of days you're going to trust in yourself and there's a lot of days you're going to have to get on your knees and say, God, forgive me for being God of my own life today. God, forgive me for not having faith. God, forgive me for always wanting signs and wonders. God, forgive me for, for being superstitious at times. I just want to be believing Your Word. I just want to trust You. And there'll be times where you'll waver and you'll hear evidence of this or you'll hear some news report of that and you'll start to wonder. And that's okay. We come back to it and say, God, help me to believe. Help me to trust. Help me to submit to it, Lord. I believe You. I know there's the, all the evidence in the world Points to you. Help me to believe. I want to walk by faith. And so if you get nothing else out of today, I want you just to have this desire to be a child of faith and walk by faith. We'll continue this next week, but let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've challenged us to walk by faith, to trust you by faith. But Lord, You've given evidence that You are who You say You are. You've given evidence that You're a Creator. You've given us evidence, Lord, that You can be trusted and that the Word of God is true. And You've given us examples in Abel who just simply brought the right sacrifice because he believed You. In Enoch, who had such an intense walk with You that You just took him up to Heaven because it pleased You too. And Father, for Noah, who persevered in faith for many, many years doing something that had never been done before, building something that seemed to have no rationale other than God said it. And when it came, He was blessed because of it. Lord, we are finite and fickle people. Lord, I know that I fail in the area of faith all the time. But Lord, I I love to be renewed in my faith. I love to be renewed in trusting in You. I love to be renewed in seeing You work knowing that you have all things in control. You are the sovereign God. You are the God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, Father, I pray that where I fail, Lord, you would be faithful in bringing me along and and kept under the shadow of your wings, kept in the palm of your hand. Lord, I don't know where everybody is in their journey of faith here, Lord, but I pray that you'd save those that need to be saved. And, Lord, I pray, Father, you'd work in our hearts who need to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I pray you challenge us. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm asking you those two simple questions today. If you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jason, I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you please pray for me? Would you quietly raise your hand that I might pray for you? I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. Is there another like that today? I'm not sure. I see your hand back there too. Anyone else? I'm not sure. Maybe you're here today and you say this, Pastor Jason. I am struggling walking by faith, but my desire is to walk by faith. Would you pray that God would help me to walk by faith and not by sight? That's my desire today. And Would you pray for me about that? Would you quietly raise your hand if you'd like me to pray about that that today? I struggle with walking by faith. I see your hands and your hands and your hands. Anybody else in your hands? Good. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, no looking around. As the music is going to begin to play, if you would like to come pray about something, you'd like to come just submit something to God, get something right, ask God questions, why don't you come? Maybe you just want to come talk to God. That's okay. Maybe you just want to say, God, if you're real, show me. I need to know. And then open up your eyes to try to see the evidence. <clears throat> Man tries to rationalize lots of co- things as coincidences. They chalk it up to coincidences. Is it, though? Or is it the hand of God? Is it the power of God? Is it the direction of God? Even in simple things like, why are you here today? Well, because someone invited me. Yeah, that might be the tools that God used. Why was there an ark? Well, because Noah built it. But it was a result of faith. We're going to get into how faith moves mountains. How the small little bit of faith as a grain of a mustard can do absolutely tremendous things. But faith is being assured and confident in things that you don't always have evidence for. But you believe God. You believe Jesus Christ. You believe the Word of God. And I want to remind you what the Bible says. It says, those of Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if the things were so. I want to train you not to believe my voice, not to believe anyone's earthly voice, not to believe any teacher or preacher, but search the Scriptures to see if what's being preached and taught is right. Because that alone is inerrant. No preacher is. We're sinners. God's Word is perfect and infallible. Search it. Believe it journey in it if you're new i really do mean it and sincerely if you have questions about god if you have arguments against god you can come talk to me i'm not going to take any insult and i'm not going to argue with you i'm not going to try to embarrass or argue i just want to be able to answer some of your questions that you might have that maybe no one's ever explained to you I want you to give you perspective and evidence and just some things. It doesn't mean it'll convince you, and that's okay. But I think you at least owe it to yourself to consider it honestly. And if the evidence is there, I'd submit to you that you'd submit to it. So come with your tough questions, agnostics, atheists, other religions, evolution, anything. And I'd be more than happy to Have some sort of discussion with you or answer questions in the most gracious way, I promise you. Father, I pray now, Lord, as we endeavor, we talk to talk, Lord, to walk by faith, Lord. But I pray that we'd actually trust you. It could be a scary thing, Lord, at times. I'm sure there are many days that Noah was fearful, just, just obeying you he probably lost a lot of earthly accolades from people because he believed you and trusted in you. But, Father, he was better off for it, was he not? Thank you for giving us these examples. I pray that you would see the hands and the hearts of the people here. You know where they're at. And I pray that you would just work in their midst. Thank you for those that have come out tonight, or this morning, rather. And, Father, that you'd work in our midst. Bless the food that we will enjoy in the fellowship. And help us in this time as we sing one last song that it would be glorifying in your sight. And Father, that we'd go home with this truth, Lord, that we have to walk by faith. Thank you that we can trust you. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.